What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the wonderful Arsenio ZSL podcast. Oh my God. Wow, man. I, um, it's a matter of fact, probably, and I forgot to say this, but probably towards the end of March and the last week of March, I crossed the 30,000, uh, after a 30 day threshold. And it's crazy. It just came within days after me posting, I believe a year ago or two years ago, it had to be two years ago. Maybe I can't remember a year ago or two years ago. Uh, when I passed the 20,000 threshold in the last 30 days in terms of downloads in my podcast. So I just want to say thank you so much. Happy May to everyone who is uh, still listening to my business English podcast, because I know I have different listeners on different days. Um, and again, just so grateful for the come up of this podcast, a half a million downloads. Uh, by this time, uh, I do believe I'm going to be bringing on um, an actress, as a matter of fact. They reached out to me multiple occasions. And then I looked her up and I realized she was a, a, a actress. You know, she worked with Antonio Banderas, a couple other places, big time. Didn't know what was going on. Not sure about her coming on to my podcast and stuff like that. But I just thought it was really shocking because, you know, she is uh, pretty popular. 150,000 IG followers and her name's Cassandra Bodzak. So let's see if that ends up making its way on this podcast, if not my personal development podcast. But nonetheless, man, it is a beautiful May. It's birthday month. Um, it's Tuesday and, you know, I'm just about 12 days away from my birthday. I'm turning the big three, four, my goodness gracious. Um, you know, I wish I could just stay here because to be honest with you, if I look at, uh, you know, uh, me being 29, uh, more forgettable, I would say like the, the experience between 25 and 29, very forgettable because there was a lot of hardships here. But when I turned 30, and, you know, uh, I do believe that happened out here in Bangkok, if I'm not mistaken, in 2018, 2019, 31, 2000, 2020, 32, gave, my, uh, gave, gave two years away to horrible ass COVID. And then finally came out of the other side of this uh, booming. And I am beyond grateful for what is happening in my life, especially. So with that being said, people, let's dive into a wonderful in-company review. Now, you guys already know I love doing these. Okay, uh, we got we have a Julie Whitaker. She's an account director for a PR consulting firm, I believe, Kissman uh, Langford Consulting. And what we're going to be talking about is the review in terms of everything we've been speaking about over the last three months. So, if we look at this, I want to ask you: What are the two most important things to make a successful or important points for? a successful meeting, being prepared, choosing locations, compromise, given reasons, technical equipment, telling jokes, telling stories. And then of course you can add in your ideas. So I absolutely believe that preparation is by far one of the most important things. And this is simply because if you're not prepared for a meeting, you go in there and you just essentially wing it. And when, to be honest, you just wing it, you really do not accomplish much, you know? And that's kind of when we go through life too, just winging it and winging it and winging it. Now, the only time I wing it is when I'm on holiday and then I still conjure up a lot of things. As a matter of fact, just got done doing a phenomenal holiday in Phuket and so many things have changed, um, you know, between now and then. And it's okay to wing it then, but at the same time, I still come up with a lot of things and always think ahead. So when it comes to meetings, that should be 
the main and the, the, the focal point of everything, right? And obviously compromise or listening to others, listening to the subordinates. And, you know, this is how some of the big hedge funds in Wall Street ended up avoiding absolute Armageddon because some of the subordinates who were way, way above the CEOs uh, ended up uh, realizing that, you know, everything was just going to completely fall apart within the firm before the music had completely turned off. So those are my little things in terms of running a successful meeting. And then obviously, you know, she, we're going to be talking about some other things. I'm going to be dissecting what she says, and then we're going to have some questions to answer at the end. But you know how I do it. I like to stop at Midway and talk about a lot of things that she will be commenting on. So here we go. Let's get into it. Being her. To have a successful meeting, you need to go well prepared and think about what you're going to say before you get there. And also think about what other people are going to be arguing on the other side. So just being well prepared for it and being prepared to compromise along the way. I think Ooh, those are the two things that I actually said. Okay, let's keep it going. I like to get my point across in a meeting by making sure that I'm prepared and really thought through the answer and giving some reasons and quite often telling a story along the way to illustrate what I'm talking about. Mm. And usually that helps um, make sure that you can get your point across successfully. I quite often have to use teleconference or Skype or video conference for meetings with our clients overseas. There's lots to remember that people can't see your body language, so you need to be very clear about what you're saying. And I think you need to respect other cultures because what's funny in one country may not be funny in another country. And also be careful not to use nuances and jargon and not using acronyms, which you are quite common in one country but may not be used in another, but just being very precise about what you want to say. And some of you probably know jargon, obviously big words. And again, if you like meet these Harvard grads, Ivy League grads, university grads, you know, just people in general, for some reason, like in America, they love using very big words. And I'm like, you're not really fooling anyone with these big words. I don't know who are you speaking to, but you're probably only speaking to about 1% of the English, you know, the English learning population, because not even I know what that word is. And it seems like you are disrespecting others, even including myself by saying these big words. So some of you probably hear that I never use these big words unless I'm illustrating something like she said, but, and you don't want to use big words in countries where, you know, the, the English is not their first language. And I just, I'm just mind boggled by a lot of people who actually use big words. And I don't think I ever had come across this, uh, but you know, I was at the resort in Phuket and obviously there are a lot of people from all over the world. And, they, and some people probably just don't know better what you don't know, you don't know, right? And some of these people, you know, they from Russia, from Japan, from here, there, and the simple language that people use and the understanding. I saw Thai people communicating with people from Lithuania, from France, from Russia, from you know Australia, from Canada. Uh, these and it's it was very easy because there's a language, there's a threshold that you need to understand in the human condition that you do not need to use very big words unless you add in a definition, which you guys may have heard me do on so many occasions in this podcast. If I ever use a big word, 
I always follow it up with the gerund by saying meaning this. But sometimes in America, American meetings, if you go, yeah, according to the extrapolations of the Rashrashis, I'm like, shut the fuck up. Just say it. Speak English, goddammit. And so I don't like using big words and people need to understand that. And if there are any native English speakers who do listen to this podcast, when you're in another country, don't use big words, simple language and body language, like she said. Now, obviously she was talking about Skype. Skype is dead. No one uses Skype anymore. Um, and with her, you, you know, um, but you know, in terms of Zoom and everything, I use body language. And I'll always use body language because I'm expressive. And if you don't like my body language, goodbye. You know, that's just how it is. I'm I, I, very straightforward with that. Like, if you don't, it's kind of like not liking my body language is not liking who I am. You know, and I'm no, I'm not going to modify it. Oh, can you just like leave your hands? No, I'm not going to just leave my hands. So this is why I never applied for ridiculous uh, TED Talks or anything like that, because it's just totally pointless and I don't need their platform. You know, I thought I needed their platform back in 2017 and stuff, but I realized well, I really do not need their platform because there's really not much that they actually give me, right? And so I ended up just building my own platform, you know? So keep with that, keep keeping that in mind, people, just understand if you want to bug someone, if you're in a meeting and you are a non-native English speaker and you want to, I'm talking bug the fuck out of someone, always and you're in a meeting and someone's using these big words say excuse me can you like simplify the language or just say i'm sorry what does that word mean i'm sorry what does that word mean keep saying that until you get the point across subconsciously that you're being very disrespectful by using big words and it's annoying and maybe you should go to you know speak to these other uh, uh hey how you doing my name is craig from there right? you, and go talk to those mother you, you know how, go talk to those clowns with your big words and ooh, wow that was a very big word Woo, right and so get the hell out of here with that being said let's go into the next one snail mail is what we're going to talk about there's nothing better than getting a handwritten note sometimes and so i do use um handwritten notes occasionally for clients, normally around personal things about saying thank you or, and it shows that you've taken time out for something they might have taken out time for you. Um, I know it's not the preferred method these days and people think it's a bit old fashioned, but we all still quite like getting a card or a letter. Maintaining a- I like that and, I, and, be, and I'm just gonna stop it right there. I really, really like that because, you know, I told you guys about obviously the company that I had dealt with, um, in the last day uh, teaching there was back April 1st of last month. Um, this is something that I could have done if the relationship had maintained itself after a miscommunication. But to be honest with you, uh, January 23rd, having uh, not heard from those particular, you know, those particular women in such, uh, you know, in like more than two months, I'm just like, you know what, to be honest with you, I'm not even going to say thank you to you. And just for, just because you should have been the bigger person and to show your face and to stop being so standoffish, but you ended up having that I'm 16, I'm angry at my dad syndrome bullshit. And I just believe that you have done nothing for me over the last nine weeks. And if I felt like I needed to email you, I would. But instead, the people who did help me, those are the ones who I showed much appreciation to. And those are the only ones who I'll take photos with and I'll break down and that's basically it. 
And so, you know, on that Friday, I remember I finished probably around 2.15, about 45 minutes before. And I was like, okay, goodbye. I hurry up and got into that van and I hurry up and zoomed off. Don't want to say bye to anyone. Don't want to say thank you to any of them. Yes, you did hire me, but it goes to show you how childish you are. And I'm not holding any grudges. I do. I just simply feel like what you've done and what you said was unacceptable. Uh, how you reacted to the situation was unacceptable. What you did over the course of the week back in January was unacceptable. And you ignoring me for two months was beyond unacceptable. And as a trainer, that's very disrespectful. And that's the end of that. And so, sure, I could have done what she did and, you know, handwritten a letter and say, oh, thank you so much. I could totally do that to the Norwegian because the Norwegian was the main guy there. So I would say, you know what, tell him, or if you have his email, I would just like to thank him for everything. Da, 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 da. I'm not going to thank the other two. Don't give a damn about the other two. Don't give a damn about any of them. And boy, when I got in that van and I left, I said, well, that's the end of that story. Now let me continue just power driving the hell out of this online teaching business, which has just completely blown up in ways I could not have ever imagined. So in saying that, let's continue. A level of formality with your clients is really important, especially when it's coming to dealing with things like contracts. And there will be difficult times when you have to deal with clients. And I think that's really important to maintain that level of formality. I know everybody thinks email's the easiest thing, but sometimes it's not, and the nuances are lost, especially if you're working across cultures where people don't understand the subtlety of the English language. Okay, all right, that makes sense. And again, maintaining the professional contracts, this, that, at the same time, you gotta make it personal. At the same time, I believe, and, and it's really hard for me to say that because when I elected to go to the New Year's party December 17th, uh, at this company, or yeah, I think it was December 17th, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, when I went to this New Year's party, I was just so excited because I was like, you know what, I'm building relationships. But then it kind of went from being very, like being professional, which you should have maintained that sort of professionalism, to being more personal and like, hey, you know, hey, you know, how you doing? How's everything? How's work? And Although we still maintain professional, it was just, you know, we still talked about a lot of everyday things. And right after shit had hit the fan in January, that personal side of everything just completely vanished. And I just felt like, wow, okay, a miscommunication all based on you. And now you've literally taken out the personal and maintained perfect, which is totally cool. I mean, you, if you want to go from professional to personal back to professional, that's cool. But it goes to show me that, you know what, that's fake communication and I'm good. And so it's not so much, obviously, that little thing that made me, hey, that's the reason why I'm not going back there. <clears throat> it's the simple fact that a lot of the students didn't want to be there. I had two students in one class. The afternoon class on the Wednesday was unbelievably unbearable. <clears throat> and the Friday classes, uh, one of the, what is it? One of the assistants, I'm sorry, teaching assistants had said something to his boss saying that that class wasn't helping his students. And then his boss told the Norwegian guy, the head of the company, and I'm like, whoa, but yet you show your two-faced ass around here every single day as if you never said anything and you never threw me under the bus. 
that's when things really started getting ugly, especially in January. And me, you know, from a financial perspective, I was like, man, but they pay this amount and this and that. And the next thing you know, I realized, well, Arsene, you're, you're kind of making what they paid you in half. You're kind of making 50% on top of that all through your online teaching with your classes, your webinars, your courses, everything. And you could say no to people who you believe would be bad clients. So, you know, it's all good. It's, it's like, um, you know, if I could hurry up and sum this up. <clears throat> and as a matter of fact, I'll probably sum up solving problems coming up right after this. And so let's listen to her and we'll go from there. Because one of the biggest issues I have as a consultant is problem solving. I think it's really important to establish what the actual problem is because it's not always what it seems on the surface. It's really about listening to your client, feeding back to your client, and then asking a lot of open questions to establish what the real problem is. And then to solve the problem, it's about working together to find the correct solution. Problems come in all shapes and sizes and they often need very different solutions. So depending on what's needed, um, it's whether I'm happy to work on my own, where I can get on with it, but where I need to bring expertise in, I'm very happy to do that in a team. Okay, well, luckily I don't have to bring in expertise or anything like that. Who, thank God for that. But um, yeah, solving problems. And, you know, going back to, you know, me solving, like, like I said, financial problems. I said, okay, how can I make more money in 2020? And I still didn't know what I was doing. I was wasting a lot of time, you know, doing personal development with uh, a couple of other clowns from online and didn't really know. I just like, okay, well, my niche is personal development. And yet my niche was the English language. And I wasn't really building up on, you know, different areas. There was, um, <clears throat> you know, I was building up obviously with TOEFL, but at that time, I didn't have my first TOEFL client until July 17th of 2020. But in saying that, you know, solving problems, I just said, you know what? Okay, I found my niche. Now I absolutely have a very exclusive niche. And so there are times that people do irk me. You know, uh, I remember back at the end of March, as a matter of fact, again, um, you know, I had a couple of people and I was given like a, an example for TOEFL speaking and stuff and you know, so funny because, you know, one of them took it offensive, uh, one of the girls. And I'm like, um, to be honest with you, I don't know why you're really taking it offense, taking offense to it. I understand from your certain perspective, but this is TOEFL. Your goal is to get the right answer out regardless. Okay. Personal finance is far more important than academic subjects. Okay. That's all there is to it. Now that's from my perspective. Now, if you believe you can answer from your perspective, go. Didn't have an answer. Okay, well, let, let that lay to rest. She felt like an attack when I was saying, oh, well, university, that's only for lawyers and nurses and this and that. Personal finance is, it, it's for everybody. That's all there is to it. <clears throat> so there it is, you know? So um, there was that. And there was another time I had a consultation with someone <clears throat> outside of my market, no offense to my Indian folks, but- Anytime I've dealt with Indians, except one guy who I used to teach at the end of 2020, um, they've always had a tendency of being the most difficult um, because they're very pushy. They're very demanding. They're very everything. And I'm just like, okay. And I remember I told this lady from the very beginning, with the course, your hours are this. Without the course, your hours are this. That's all there is to it. For some reason, she thought I was telling her 
or asking her to pay more. And she said, oh, why are you, why are you trying to make me pay 35? And I said, are you not understanding? 35 without the course, 30 with the course. You were okay with 35 and with the course. So I don't know if you feel like I'm trying to, and I showed her the price. I said, look at the price on my website. Look, what are you doing? Like, I should just like, and then I thought about it and I sent her everything and I'm like, okay, well, let's see if she pays, you know, the invoice. And if she doesn't pay, okay, just let her go. She doesn't have the course or anything. Just, just let her go, you know, because it's not even worth my time. And going back to Tim Ferriss, who really isn't much of anyone, you know, it's a guy that had a book a while, but it's a couple of books a long time ago. But he said, what clients are making 80% of your unhappiness? And that right there, if you could somehow solve that problem, such as what this lady was saying, and eliminate that problem, there you go. You make your life a hell of a lot better. But if you decide to, you know, end up... Um, <clears throat> you end up uh, keep dealing with that specific individual. It's just going to make your life very, bleh. I'm very grateful because I'm very selective. And the people who actually do communicate with me, I never really have a problem with anyone being rude, except from specific regions of this country, which obviously I had, uh, you know, I had before in about July or August of last year. And um, <clears throat> it's a matter of fact, it's a, a group on, you know, the, what is it on Facebook called TOEFL IBT group. And this group doesn't have my market. It's full of a bunch of random ass individuals, right? And they're all from a completely different region. That is not my market. And it's funny because they ended up banning me from posting for about a month because they knew I was like the best. And they probably thought, oh, well, he's, he's posting too much or his content's too good. And he's taking away our students, whatever it may be. Right. But to be honest with you, do I even need that book, that, that group? Absolutely not, because I'm already massive as is because I know my specific niche market. So when it comes to solving problems and even going back to the company, OK. If I look at time, energy, return, money and sanity, time takes up a hell of a lot of it, probably five out of ten. Energy takes up a lot out of it. And the thing is, I put so much energy into those lessons and those students give me nothing at all. So I would say energy, two. That's already good enough for me to say, I'm never going to come back here. Okay. And then you have obviously the return, which I don't get much of from the students. This is why I don't I like saying, okay, Thailand, you folks are not my market. So if you do, if you don't come, you don't come. Fantastic. Get out of my face. Because obviously you guys already know what has happened in my life out of here. And then money. Okay. Money. It was fantastic. Having that in November, having the next sum in January and everything. Amazing. But it really wasn't. I realized that it wasn't so much about the, the, the money. It was more about like, what do I get back? Do I, do I feel fulfilled in terms of what I'm, what I give and what I'm giving back, getting back from the students? Nothing at all. Nothing at, nothing at all. Sanity, it went down to a zero in January. And I was just hoping to just say, you know what? I would like to just quit this. But I just kept in mind, Arsenio, just finish these last little bit of hours because it happened probably after the 72nd hour mark. Um, and I was just like, fuck, man, I got like 48 more hours. And then when I finally reached that last week, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a beautiful, 
beautiful couple of days, you know, a beautiful last classes. And it sure, it sure was. When I got out of there, I said, man, I'll never have to take a van to the side of town anymore. I'll never have to deal with these types of people anymore. I could, I have my free days on Wednesday and Friday now. I could dedicate so much more time to beating on my craft and working on my craft. It was so, so much gratitude. So with that being said, people, that is the end of the end company interview. Thank you so much. And stay tuned for more over and out.